Yo, what's going on? Whoa, here we are, loud, loud. Welcome to Jed Banger's Ball. I am your host, Jed Mayhew. Uh, today's guest on this episode is Adam Wade. Adam Wade is a good buddy of ours here at the uh, podcast. He's recorded a bunch of early, early on zigzag stuff and actually filled in on drums for a couple shows. Um, uh, first time the band broke up. Yeah, he come. He played with us for, I don't know, three or four shows. I don't know. We talk about it in the fucking podcast. We talk a lot in this podcast about music and a lot of bands and... It's a little it's a little insider info um from two guys that talk a lot about music when they see each other and this podcast is no exception to that rule so I'm going to not do a super long intro here um and I'm just going to warn you if you want to hear two old guys talking about music then this is the podcast for you if you are looking for um, something a little bit more heady or a little bit more now or interesting to your interests, um, then maybe, maybe not. Maybe this isn't the episode for you. I, I'm not a big fan of nerds. Um, and this one's pretty nerdy. We get pretty, not that Adam is a nerd and not that I'm a nerd so much, but we, we can pretty much nerd out together on music. And I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know what what the definition of a nerd is exactly other than I I find it annoying if someone's very obsessed about something and they want you to be obsessed about that thing as well or or they feel like it's important that they know more about that subject um, than you do. Um, Not a big fan of uh, uh, people trying to explain what they call that, what they call it, mansplaining. I always break Sean's balls for mansplaining everything. Um, Bass player. Um, Yeah, mansplaining. That's what that's what they call it these days. Uh, I'm not a big fan of mansplaining. I hope I don't mansplain over this podcast. Um, I think I think my nerdiness is that I'm I'm interested in. I'm staring at the fucking coffee grinder right now because Jess is out of town and she's the one who always does the coffee and then. She leaves town, leaves me a day's worth of beans, and then, oh, fuck, I gotta get coffee. Uh, I went to, u- I don't know how to make coffee, um, and I went to use the thing, and I put the beans in the, mi- I, I went to grab the coffee grinder, and when I grabbed it, I hit the button, and it started grinding, but there wasn't anything in there, and then I filled it with the beans, and then I went to hit, hit grind again, and now it's like, it won't grind at all. It doesn't even, it, it turns on and then there's a light, but it won't grind to fucking <sighs> breathe. Jed, just breathe. <sighs> and then, uh, and then I texted Dane and I said, Hey, can you, can you, uh, can you book us? Can you look up rooms in, in Salt Lake city? Cause we're playing Salt Lake city. We're playing at crucial fest next weekend. So I was asking him to look up, He's better on the fucking computer and and with phones than I am. So I was asking him to look up uh, rooms in Salt Lake City to book for us so we can stay there for two nights uh, because it's like a 10-hour drive. And then he wrote me back and he said, yeah, I can do that, but you you don't have a job and all you do is look at Instagram all day. So, like, why are you asking me to do it? And I was like, bitch, you fucking... I'm fucking talking to the fucking record label and the booking agent 
and writing fucking songs over here. And then uh, he works he works in a candle factory. So I was like, I was like, you live in a garage and you have a fucking job from the 1800s. You know we got fucking electricity now, motherfucker. Um, so that's what I wrote him back. Um, but the fucking coffee things, I don't know. I gotta go like get iced coffee now tomorrow. Um, anyways, so Adam, I don't like to nerd out on things like and explain things, but I'm my nerdiness is that I, I'm interested in whatever you're interested in. So if you're really interested in something, like I will be fast. That's the whole point of this fucking podcast. I will be very interested in hearing about what you're interested in, but I don't want you to mansplain it to me and i also don't want you to like um be offended if i don't know about it you know what i'm saying like that's the worst fucking thing when someone's like hey have you heard of this thing and you're like no and they're like really and it's like yeah no yeah dude i just i'm just making up that i don't fucking know something to fuck with you like no dude i haven't fucking heard of that thing so like chill buddy Anyways, uh, Zigzags are actually playing a birthday party tonight. It's like, a, I don't know if it's private, but it's, it's, it's not advertised. Um, so it's here in LA. And, uh, by the time you hear this, it won't matter anyways. Uh, but it's for our friend Roger Mayer, who's a, who's produced a bunch of our friend Calvin's movies and, and worked on a bunch of like cool, uh, I should have this guy Danny Perez on who made this movie Anti-Birth. Um, but makes like cool, like horror movies and stuff. So we're, and he made the Rambler, which, um, I'm in and uh he's done a bunch of like weird movies and he also like he had dead moon music and a bunch of stuff so cool stuff uh we're playing his birthday party tonight and we wrote a bunch of uh uh me and Chad my friend Chad wrote a bunch of uh not that Chad that was on last week but uh, a different Chad wrote a bunch of like roast jokes um that we're going to uh then have Chad in the Randy costume um, basically with a ventriloquist dummy. We recorded them all last night. Um, they're like, you know, Roger was at, uh, Roger was living in New York during nine 11 and actually, f- um, captured footage of the towers as they fell. It's by far one of Roger's easiest films to watch like that kind of joke. Um, but Chad's going to be in like a, in the Randy costume with the skull and everything. And then he's going to have holding a, um, a ventriloquism dummy, ventriloquist dummy. And, uh, and so we just pre-recorded all the, me reading all those jokes and then he just flaps the lips of the, of the dummy. Um, so, Hey, we're going to see how it goes. Uh, the last time I did a roast like that was at someone's wedding and then someone threw a chair at me. So who knows? Uh, but anyways, uh, that, this is much longer than I wanted it to be. So let's talk to Adam Wade, who was the drummer in Shudder to Think. He was a drummer in Jawbox. Um, I probably should have said that all at the top. Uh, he does music for that HBO TV show Animals. I probably should have said that at the top. And he's a good... I was like, oh, yeah, he was in zigzags. Okay, yeah, anyway, anyone gives a fuck. All right, let's talk to Adam White. All right. They don't have school for Yom Kippur anymore? They, I guess not in L.A. No, not in L.A. <laughs> uh, well, I'm growing up uh, back east. We always had those holidays off. We did not have those holidays off in eastern Washington. <laughs> there's not much need. To there's us there's not. Those. I don't think I. I don't think I had any Jewish friends growing up. I had lots of friends from Southeast Asia. Right. 
um, and lots of uh, Hispanic friends and a lot of white friends. Right. But no Jewish friends that I can think of until even in Seattle. Yeah. I met a few Jews in Seattle, but... Yeah. Um, There were plenty of... Uh, of uh, Jewish friends in New York and DC. Sure, and then when you yes. move out to LA, then yes. meet lots of Jewish people. Um, but we were talking about recording. Yeah, stuff, when right? did you when did you feel the need to get your own like sort of studio? Because I've I've thought about it, but it's like we've well, moved a bunch too. Yeah. So. Well, for me, it was sort of two tiered. Like um, about I don't know, fifteen odd years ago. Well, God, what was it? Yeah, around the turn of the century. Uh, I wasn't playing that much, and um, you know, I just was like, okay, what am I going to do? I need to work. I need to make money. And I was thinking, well, you know, I don't want to get into like producing bands. I don't, you know, I, having been on the other side, I, I didn't want to like deal with musicians. And yeah, there's really no money in that, is there? I don't know if there's any money. I just, I've never been such a fan of being in a studio, even even recording my own music, much less watching other people yeah. struggle with it. Well, yeah, it's, although that's got, yeah, I hear you. But so I was like, um, I'll get into like post-production and, you know, cause at least there's some money there. Yeah. So I just, you know, I, I took it upon myself to learn how to use pro tools, sort of a rudimentary level, uh, bought, a, uh, you know, an old G5 and, he's in every, he's in every show. What's the G5? Oh, uh, the old, uh, you know, the Apple. Uh, 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 yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not an Apple guy, so I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, you so you weren't. I'm a Chrome um, guy. So I, you know, I got that set up, but just for like editing and mixing, and then, um, and then later on when <clears throat> you know I was kind of got back into playing again. Uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever practiced down at uh, what is it downtown rehearsal there? I've been to down. (laughs) Oh, it's depressing. I've been there. I've I've gone there to pick people up, and I've gone there to buy gear off of dudes before. Into the building. Yes, it's just the worst. It's so brutal. It's like an old, looks like a old, like a insane asylum or something, you know, or like a hospital. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. That that is that place is the epitome, and there's so many people that still practice there too. Yeah. And there was another one that closed down. Well, I think they had two buildings. Yeah. There was one further down on Santa Fe, I think. and That's just the epitome of, like, bad practice space. Well, For, As yeah. far as vibe goes, like, yeah. you know, knock on wood. But I've, I've been in a lot of bad buildings. Yeah. It's got that, like, just asbestos <laughs> feeling, you know, or, like... Uh, the desperation feeling, smell. Just the really old urine Yeah, in the... You know, the place where now... I don't want to say what it's called because I don't want anyone to go there. But the place where now is so nice, and the is guy that the same place as as historically. No, no, no. That was that was a that was a small little place on. We're over by um, we're over here off of uh, like San Fernando, over by like the Home Depot on Figueroa there. Oh, okay. Um, so it's kind of towards downtown, but it's like so nice. So just drive down Fig and listen to the listen for the zigzags. Yeah, if you can hear us. Uh, the the place is so nice and. The guy who runs it's really super nice, and it drives me crazy because I go in, I go around now. This is, 
I go around now and I like pick up people's beer cans and I like, like I was, I walked by the bathroom yesterday and like the faucet was just on, just oh. like pouring water and the bathrooms are super nice. And the guy like put like built like an outdoor area and it's like, there's air conditioning, there's wifi, oh, wow. like, and it's not that expensive. And the guy, and I just, now I go and like pick up trash and I get, and I like, and I get mad when I see like the other bands like trashing the building, you know? <laughs> You know, yeah. That's how old I am now. They're thinking about rocking, right? I know. I don't get it. But it's, yeah, it is. So what happened now? So you went down, you were down, your downtown rehearsal? I think as an L.A., it's inevitable if you play music, especially rock music. Oh, bedrock. Huh? Bedrock. Well, yeah. But you go to these places, it's just kind of a drag. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you know, as a drummer, you got to hump all your gear down there. Even if it's just like cymbal, snare, and kick drum, and then you... And it's like, and it's kind of far, you know. I mean, we're, we're here in Northeast LA. And, yeah. Um, it's just like, ugh, I don't want to drive thirty-five minutes, forty minutes, to fight right. traffic to go down. So I was like, screw it, I'm going to build my own studio, and uh, with a little help from a friend, um, we slap this thing together, and uh, yeah. You know, and you guys have a little practice space in there too. Well, yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah. We added this the the right quote unquote studio like right. sound mostly soundproof room. and the reason why we're talking about this is we're, that's where we used to record the podcast at was i'd that's go right. over to your house and we'd have people meet 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 us over there mm-hmm. um but but you never had the desire to like record other bands have you recorded bands in there no no just my own stuff yeah and uh yeah but as we were saying before it's almost like i think most bands now just you know hit record on the iphone yeah get a decent enough demo and then like it's shocking what uh it's shocking what uh how good the iphone can sound sometimes versus like like a four track recording or something like right. that you know yeah <clears throat> yeah if you place it just in the right part of the room and put maybe put a shirt over <laughs> yeah. it or something or, i just put a yeah. shirt over it or now i put it in like a little like uh carrying ca- like a briefcase or something oh. and it sits in there and then it records it and then i text it to the other band members immediately after and i never hear anything back <laughs> i never get a response <laughs> i know i have like several unanswered emails with like mp4s oh my so god like, oh, i guess i should listen to this thousands of like yeah. thousands of things that are just like and they're all titled like wipers one wipers two because it sounds like the wipers right. or something you know and says wipers time, three it seems like a good idea to call it that and you're like what wipers what? full band wipe wipers with breakdown okay <laughs> i got so many of those um so when did you get out to la though like in the first place how did oh, you end up out wow. here yeah well I, I i really i literally sort of wound up here um i was uh, i drove down here well um i was living in portland oregon oh you were living in portland that's where i'm from portland yeah well, that's I where i was born from- Washington. Well, I live in Washington too, but you know, okay. that's the eastern side. It's called Washington. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, okay, so I was playing uh, in a band with Chris Novoselic. Oh yeah, Sweet Seventy Five. Right. Yeah. His, uh, AKA uh, his ill-fated Nirvana, <laughs> uh, post-Nirvana. Not project. the Foo Fighters. <laughs> uh, so uh, he that was based out of Seattle. So up, uh, prior to that, I was basically commuting right. from D.C. Oh, uh, okay. To do that well, I guess band. we should start with back. You grew up oh. in D.C. then, though, right? I grew up, uh, yes. But born, your folks are from Australia? Well, yes and no. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was born in Washington, D.C. at the Washington Hospital Center. 
And um, but no, my mother is Australian. My uh. father uh, emigrated there in the early '60s, and that's where they met. He immigrated to Australia. Mm-hmm. Where in Australia? Uh, well, he wound up oh, well, eventually in Melbourne, but he uh, he lived in uh, Hobart for quite a while. Oh, okay. And then found his way to Melbourne, and then met my mother. Uh, I have family in Adelaide. Oh, okay. And that was the big thing when we were kids of, that we were going to move to Adelaide. You're going to move to Adelaide. And I was really excited to move from Washington to anywhere. I guess that would be maybe a bit of a lateral move. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, what, like a drier. We have an Australian move. band coming this weekend and they're going to stay with us and they've stayed with us before and they're from Melbourne. Uh-huh. And every time I told them that I was going to move to Adelaide, they were just like, oh God, that would have been horrible. Why would you do that? You know? Yeah. But I was ready to go anywhere. Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's that's part of it. When you're when you're growing up, no matter where you are, you want to get the fuck out. So your dad went to Melbourne, but what what was he doing over there for uh, work? Well, he's he he fancied himself an artist, so he was um, and a musician. He was painting and teaching. And where was he from originally? Um, Atlantic City. Oh wow, New Jersey. Wow, that's crazy. And Arlington, Virginia. I don't know if I've ever even heard of someone being from Atlantic. <laughs> it's like yes. being from Vegas. <laughs> Yeah, he was he, like early childhood Atlantic City, and then his family they moved down to Arlington, just outside of D.C. Right, um, and I guess for some reason that's why I wound up being born in D.C. because my folks were traveling around. They were in, I was almost born in London, but I wound up being D.C. because I guess they thought, oh well, let's I guess because my parents are there, so we'll go there. I'm like I get one of those irrational sure decisions you make. When that's you why have I, a baby. That's why I ended up in Eastern Washington. Was like we were living in Portland, and I was very happy in Portland. And then it was like, oh, let's go be closer to like my grandparents. You know? Yeah. And well, then you ruin your. Yeah, ostensibly having family around really helps. So I mean, I yes. as a father of two little boys, I I understand like, it now. Wish having a, a grandparent around that would be awfully handy, but right. not not the case. So anyway, um, yeah. So D, uh, I born in DC and then uh, moved up to New York City. Uh, parents divorced. Mother remarried. Uh, stepdad gets a job uh, with um, uh, Noah. The uh, it's not it's the National Climate Research. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, atmospheric research. Oh, wow. Um, okay. N O A A. I forget what it stands for. And this is a, this is like this a government is, thing. Yeah, it's a government contract thing, and it's like one of the many you know jobs that exists outside and around dc in maryland so i went back down there and then uh how old were you then uh see this would have been 70 i was like 10 yeah yeah um but yeah so my childhood was basically spent back and forth between dc and new york city yeah on the train and then and then when you got to dc what were you doing like what were you into there well uh i I was just just a fucking kid kid. yeah (laughs) I was uh, into what, what most ten year olds. I was really into like I was I was totally into music at that point. I mean, I was you were oh yeah, very like what kind of stuff? Oh, like Beatles, and right? Stones, you know, from your you folks know. or just from like the radio or what? Um, I think uh, yeah, at that point, I think when you're ten and and you, you I think you start to discover the radio, um, because that's you know that's that's how you heard music back then. Um, I feel like I'm around a lot more kids now than I have been in a long time because because your friends have kids because my friends have kids and like when I was 20s in my 20s no one had any kids that I hung out with right and so it's interesting how how much I see these kids that are into music now and also like 
how fast their like kind of styles change of like what they like like for like it goes from like one genre to the next like really quickly like like every time i see like our friend chad's son dion i'll go like oh yeah you still listening to like black sabbath or whatever he's like no it's like now he's on to something else you know yeah i i wonder about i mean i have mixed feelings about with kids and like rock music in general what do you mean i just don't feel like I don't feel the need to expose them to it. I mean, right. I don't hide it from them, but I don't want to like push it on them. Right. Um, you know, it's like it's like I have a fundamental distaste for like kids rock t-shirts. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just think it's just fucking lame. I think it's I, the people I feel the most sorry for is sometimes is like the bands for some reason. Like I see, <laughs> I see like a, I'll see like like a like one of those Motorhead onesies, yeah. you know, and I just think like ugh, I just feel bad for like Lemmy for some reason. Well, I hope he got some money from it, but <laughs> not even that. It just like makes it just that much lamer. Like, well, but it's sort of like it's you know you get into it's like child branding, you know, yeah. Like imposing your own shit on your kid, and it's like, right. It seems like that could backfire, right? Uh, well, it's like anything. It's like uh, trying to push someone into like a sport or something like right. that, or right. or or uh, screaming at them for wearing a dress or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, if they want to wear a dress, that, at least that's a personal decision. Sure, I mean, sure. Forcing to wear a dress. No, I, mean, I know. Maybe some people do that too. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just saying, like the, any any sort of push. It. You know, it's it's like uh, I watched like that Dead Moon documentary years ago, and it's like. You know, they're sort of like quintessential like rock and roll uh, husband and wife team. And then they had a bunch of kids, you know, mm-hmm. also from Portland. And like all their kids grew up when like one kid was like a lawyer and then the other kid was like owned like a grocery store chain or something like like they just rebelled in right. such a they like kind of went into this like corporate they rebelled and became successful suit and tie world, you know, like and I, yeah, I feel like that's how that's how it goes like you know just in general like you know everyone rebels but like if you're like trying to fucking push like a ramones uh <laughs> yeah there's no shortage of ramones like kids t-shirts out there i mean it's kind of ridiculous i mean i can't think of anything less cool than like my mom making me listen to the ramones yeah yeah i mean my mom made me listen to like not made me but i you know heard like fucking john denver or whatever right like bob marley or you know some you know my parents had pretty good taste in yeah my parents were my mom yeah. listened to like Jimi hendrix and cool stuff the doors and stuff like right. that you know and my folks were a little older than that uh for that stuff right but um you know i mean of course my parents had no problem with me you know cracking up beatles records at home so they were like oh that's fine but yeah i think the only time i ever got even like i had you know it's fucking this is so weird like when i was a kid like in washington there was like There'd well, be like, oh wait, we should say that's not the proper pronunciation of Washington. Well, that's the way they say it in any. See, they, well, like in Maryland, they'll say, oh, do they say Washington in, in Washington, Washington? In Washington State, they say that. Yeah. What the hell, really? If you're like about forty-five minutes outside of Seattle, you know, it's, it turns into this it's, Washington saying thing. Ir- saying it ironically. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm saying it ironically now because oh, you okay. started me saying well, I can't it, help but. It, yeah. But no, it's just like, it's like, uh, you know, everywhere is the Midwest when you're not in like a city or something like that. It's like that kind of thing. Um, but you know, growing up in, in like a small town like that, I I had Mm. friends that were, maybe they weren't, but their parents were like Mormon. Mm. They were, or Jehovah's Witness. I had, there's no music happening. Well, I just remember like, 
I had friends that their parents threw away like their hip hop CDs or like threw their shit away, you know, and all of those kids ended up doing super fucked up shit and getting into like a lot of trouble or like going to jail or just, or having like kind of fucked up lives in general, like from that like weird or, or even, even to the point of like, maybe they're just estranged from their family. Like they don't, well, they don't yeah, have a good relationship like, with their parents because really? they rebelled so much. The only time my mom ever got upset was she came in one time and I was listening to Too Drunk to Fuck when I was like 13. <laughs> and she was just like, I don't know. This yeah, is like she a little. Throw it away, no, she? she didn't throw it away at all. She just was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know about yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. It seems inappropriate. That's not how she talks, but, uh, and also it's Jedediah, but. Sorry. I like that. I like the idea that my mom gets my name wrong, though. <laughs> well, but I think it means what a what a horrible thing to do as a parent to like just throw your kids' shit away. Uh, I heard about you know, it all the time it too. Seems so. That's that's I yeah. I would. That's a bad. Parent. It's like a constant thing, you know. Like that's the answer to like throw away. It's like uh, you know the satanic panic of the eighties or whatever, mm-hmm. and you'd see these like moms on like Donahue freaking out because they're son was like head of mohawk or whatever you know <laughs> what do I do? Oh, no. yeah well that's just i think we have real problems now yeah like oh yeah just as long as my kid doesn't turn out to be a conservative or something <laughs> but that happens too like yeah you know it's funny like a lot of like aging punks i've noticed like when especially like aging punks become conservatives that happen or like, sure yeah or, oh yeah i think aging aging people well yeah but especially more um uh, like Joe Queer. Yeah. <laughs> well, like it's just you know I think it became you know it's like it was cool to be like oh you know fuck the government you know rock against right. Reagan and I was like well yeah I get it but then it's just, that you you hold on to that and then it's like you just keep thinking government is evil and the next thing you know you're voting for Trump right because it's because it's, like, it's big government or whatever right, or, and it's, you're just yeah I don't know anyway <laughs> well <we're, laughs> so anyways you're back in D.C. you started you were got into music early and then like but were you were you aware at all like of, of the music around you at the time like in D.C. was there like oh, what well, was D.C. That, like because I, I always this was the, okay I feel I like it was nothing was, until was, the 80s I was like, in the burbs okay yeah I wasn't in the city at that right. when I moved back right um, I was in uh, Kensington Maryland mm. which is just right right outside the city sure um and but of course, in the, at that time, especially, I might as well have been in fucking, you know, Kansas because right. it's so far away. And sure, it like, it, it, that's how I, I felt. You know, there was you know, but literally just like a few miles down the road was like you know this sort of very cosmopolitan, you know, and the scene was brewing. But obviously, way too young. Right. But I I, uh, I think I didn't really become aware of uh, the punk scene there until. Um, really high school because that's you know like i didn't have an older brother to sort of to hit me to all this stuff so right you know i have friends who had older brothers or like you know or just uh older friends from you know upperclassmen and i remember those i went i went I, someone took me to a show downtown i think i was in i was a sophomore in high school and i i think it was was I a freshman? It was it was a minor threat show, but I didn't know what minor threat was. Yeah, and I was just like, I was like, oh, I remember just being kind of like freaked out. Yeah, because it was like this huge pit, and it was like really my first exposure to that. I was just like, wow, that's funny. That's- my, one of my one of my first shows I ever went to, where I didn't know the band, didn't know who they were, had never heard their music for before. I went was a Fugazi show, mm-hmm. and I want to, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been like ninety two or something like that. But it was like 
someone was like, oh, we're going to go to this show, you know, and I was like kind of into music or whatever. But I showed up and it was Fugazi and it was just like, holy fuck, like, this is crazy, That's you know? Good. Yeah, but it's the same, I mean, Minor Threat, you know, if you, if you don't know who Minor Threat is and you go and see him, it's got to be insane. Yeah, I just remember it just being this sort of very, you I mean, violent, but, you know, in a good way, just sort of like, just you just getting hit in the face. Right. Just this whole, you know, it's a sweaty box in a basement of a church and it's uh, how many people were there do you think like at that time it was, they were pretty big by then yeah so i think you know it was i don't know how many you know 500 i, I mean it was, oh, maybe less i don't know it's just it it was it seemed like a lot of people right because um, i you... hadn't gone to show you know the other con I'd, I'd go to concerts at like the arena <laughs> right. like i saw the kinks and the who and like at the cap center yeah i think i'd know? seen like rod stewart and like <laughs> jeff beck before that or something like that you know because right. i wanted to play guitar or something or you know i saw santana you know yeah. the moody blues lessons um were you playing drums already though before this or were you playing music or did you have any uh, inkling to play music before that or well barely i mean i <clears throat> i had like you know school band stuff uh i i decided to play the drums i had i did have growing up in new york i had a friend who was a little older than me and uh he is funny one day he came over knocks on the door open the door and he's got this like full-on mohawk <laughs> and i was just like whoa yeah that's so cool like because it seems it's so like a scene out of a movie alien to me like yeah buddy who then he just like you know, he switched gears yeah totally and he started playing drums and since i sort of looked up to him as like an older brother figure i was like well i'm gonna play drums too and he gave me a drum and i just started you know banging on it yeah and then uh and then later in 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 maryland my my first job was uh i was a paper boy for the washington post <laughs> And I saved up money to buy a kit off the. What was the first drum kit? It was a, a pearl, uh, yeah, five piece, totally, yeah, you know, cheap one. I had to like, I had to put like it together. Pearl like, like export ho- series or something like that. Maybe, yeah, maybe not then. Yeah, who knows? But I had to like put it together with those like hose clamps uh-huh. on the on the on the tom rack mount so it wouldn't flop around. <laughs> right. I kept cranking those up, and then I was just like. You know, I was literally like that opening scene in uh, uh, you watch the show Freaks and Geeks. Yes, like the, oh, I think the opening shot is uh, what's his face in the basement. Jason Siegel. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's playing on, to, he's to rush. rush. Yeah, and it's like that was me. Basically. Yeah, I mean that show was so spot on, um, but probably not Rush. I was probably playing along to like the Who or something. Right. Um, is that your band, the Who? Then I love the Who. Yeah, growing up. as a drummer. Yeah, one of them, the Who. Yeah, just because you know they were like they were like they had records out and they were like all over the radio and it's and I, oh and I had a friend who had older brothers that were that introduced me to the Who, right? Uh, and the Kinks. That's, that's how I, that was my yeah. That, that's band. a weird band, the Who, for like I kind of like yeah. Now I've I really dislike them. <laughs> you do, yeah. I don't I, know. I have a love hate thing with them. I used to not like them and I like them more now. Yeah, I think Live at Leeds is like is is like if they they should have quit after that. Right. I don't know, but I like Quadrophenia. There's just something really annoying about them, but then at the same time like What's annoying about them? Roger Daltrey, I guess. Yeah. And just like Well, Pete Townsend would agree with you on that. <laughs> I, so. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. They're just like there's something kind of I never found Roger Daltrey to be annoying. I my problem with them was like when I was listening to Too Drunk to Fuck or whatever, I was listening to, I was trying, I didn't know very much music at all. I knew like some heavy metal stuff and I knew some punk rock stuff. 
And then when I would get introduced to the, a band like The Who or something, someone would tell me like how heavy they were. Right. And then I would be disappointed. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'd be like, oh man, these guys just fucking so are loud. so loud, you know? And then I'd just be like, and I just didn't get it, you know? Well, for me, <clears throat> I remember like in middle school, like, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, that when, when you re- music becomes like, is your total identity sure it becomes a form of like sport now yeah you become nationalistic about bands and for me especially like i said you know growing up in kensington but back then it was like the you know you could hear it was like the boonies and most of the guys were like you know they were into metal right and and probably to my detriment i sort of was like no i'm not gonna do that. i don't want to be like those fucking you know rubes with, mm-hmm. their, with their feathered hair and their <laughs> denim jackets and right their, like and their girlfriends right <laughs> well i don't know about that uh but uh, you know, like no, no, no. I, you know, like I like these bands. I like sure. I like these older British bands, and that's going to be my thing. Right. Yeah, I feel like the like, Kinks are the same. Another band too. That's like it's very. If you're like the Kinks and the Who are like bands for musicians, you know. Whereas like yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I still I feel like the Kinks have obviously held up better than the Who. Uh, they weren't like I think outside of. I just think outside of like Roger Daltrey in in the most base sense of it, it they weren't like they weren't like the kind of boy band or like that the Beatles or the Rolling Stones were as far as right. like the female fans being it's more like right. they didn't like, really have sex appeal. They're not a very sexy or like band. Rush or something yeah. like that where it's like obviously, you know, I've had lots of girl friends of mine that were into both of those bands, but and all those bands and but a lot of times it's like you you thought of those bands as like kind of like nerdy guy bands like very like precious yeah. about the music or although but but then you know musically the who are just kind of like this this big sloppy just rumbling just mess in a way but they had it was like their own and it you know it did they had their own pocket which i guess you, know, you have to appreciate i kind of think of like guys being like i i'm a, i'm a fan of the who and like you won't understand it you know whereas <laughs> I don't know. I just had that. I, I knew some people that were like that. Even though my friend Dean, that's his favorite band of all time. He wasn't like that at all. But he he had like more. He had all the like uh, Pete Townsend solo records that Pete Townsend would make for his like guru. Oh well, uh, his he, who came first was his first solo record, which was like had a, yeah for his Maharishi. Yeah, right. And then he made all these other ones that were for the Maharishi that were like these kind of uh, birthday records, oh, like you right. know, and and. Dean was, he was ordering them out of the back of like Rolling Stone magazine from like, you know, I don't know, England or collectors or something like right. that. Back People used to put like ads and, yeah. you know, and you could buy records uh-huh. out of, I don't know. Yeah. I, I never seen it before, but yeah, I heard, you know, I heard it happen. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. yeah. And then it was like, I went to his house one time and he had like more who records than I had of all my records because oh, he yeah. had all these like bootlegs yeah, and, yeah. and different, uh, country editions and alternate sleeves i was in the who club for like three months <laughs> see in that's like what i'm 1981 saying 1981 or two yeah. or something that's that I kind of band like weird little zines and yeah you know just. so you're playing along to like uh bob o'reilly or something like that uh yeah generally but then i quickly moved on to like motorhead oh okay yeah yeah um loved motorhead growing up saw them all the time yeah and uh this is around like orgasmatron right um you know, because that was kind of a comeback record for them, I think. Right. Um, you know, it was like a new sound, new lineup. And it was, you know, it seemed, it's, that's a funny record. Like, now you listen to it, like, God, it sounds like fucking shit. Yeah. But we loved it. 
Well, Motorhead is like, so Motorhead was, you know, it was the band that the punks and the metal guys could agree on. They were the bridge. I remember I saw Motorhead, uh, a show, a weird show. It was uh, Motorhead, the Dwarves, and uh, I want to say some kind of Queens of the Stone Age offshoot band or something around that. Well, it was, this was about 15 17 years ago or something like that but it was like one of those no one knew who these guys were it was like no one really knew who queens of the stone age was at the time so it was like someone maybe members of the one of those bands are like that nick oliveri guy or something like that one of these kind of bands but i remember we were in the parking lot and i saw all these like hesher dudes and then I looked down the aisle of the parking lot and I saw all these like charged haired, like spiky punk dudes. Mm-hmm. And then I went and got the metal dudes and I, and I talked to the punk dudes and I asked if everyone could come take a photo together. Wow. And I had them stand on, <laughs> stand on, uh, like next to each other. Like, a, and then, the, then one guy in the middle like pulled his pants down and spread his butt cheeks and they like took a photo. <laughs> and, and the stranger, which is the Seattle Weekly, like ran it like as a, like oh, a, nice. you know, and it was like a, I was like, I'm going to see if I can truly. Jed unites the scene. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't like that. It was just like they put it in there because it was a funny photo. But it was like I just wanted to see if like Motorhead would truly unite uh, the punks and the metalers in real time. Like, it seems like they did. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you hear Motorhead from though? Because Motorhead to me was like I saw them on. I'd see them on Headbangers Ball or something like that, and it was so weird to me. Yeah. Compared, they'd play like Ace of Spades, you know. And it seemed so weird because they'd play like a rat song and then they'd play at the time when I was watching it, it would be like rat and then Alice in Chains. And that seemed fucking bizarre to me too. And then it would be like Motorhead would be like later in the show and it would be really, it seemed really dated. Yeah. I mean, but well, cool, but just funny because dated. I, I think it's like, I, I skipped, thought it was like kiss. I skipped all of like the, a lot of metal stuff and went straight or not straight, but I just wound up at Motorhead right. versus like, I'd never got into like, you know, Saxon or Duncan or you know until you know you come back around to that stuff sure figure out that oh wait yeah I do love metal right but um I I don't I don't remember I had you know one of my best friends John uh we would listen to Motorhead all the time just I think it was like funny and the Ramones too I think there was always a a Ramones Motorhead sort of connection obviously they wrote songs about each other and sure later on but back then it just there was you could tell there was a kinship and they both were just sort of you know appealed to like you know, 13, 14 year old boys. Yeah. It's fun when you're like a kid, those bands are really fun. And then maybe the damned is like too obscure at that time or something like well, that. The or... damned were, yeah. It came to them a bit later, but right. they were like the, the damn were part of like definitely part of the DC, um, sort of uh, formula. Well, cause yeah, the damned like, is like, they put out the first like punk single or whatever. And, and I feel like Ian McKay and Henry and those guys were like, they were very influenced by that band, right? I you think because they well, they famously played the show um, at the was it the Ontario Theater in Adams Morgan, in D.C. in like eighty two, I think it was around I think for Strawberries and you know and they came out. There's there's uh, there's pictures of them at uh, Yesterday and Today Records, which was like the sort of the the hub for uh-huh. that stuff. And you know there's pictures of those guys and um, and that kind of you know those original Discord guys kind of kind of spread the gospel of the damned and so it's like you just couldn't and then of course the damned were like you know it's so easy to fall into it if you like the beatles i mean they were like the punk beatles right very melodic very poppy very you know kind of what about like the like 
were, were the Discord guys, were they listening to like Detroit stuff too? Was like Iggy and I don't, the I Stooges tell stuff? You exactly. Yeah, I'm sure they were. Yeah. In fact, I think. Was, I mean, I know Henry is like obviously like a yeah. huge Stooges yeah, I, you guy. Know, I, but, can't, I can't say exactly what. I mean, I, you know, Ian famously was a, uh, or is a Ted Nugent fan. Right. You know. So is Henry. I mean, musically. Yeah. Um, and I just saw. Musically, of course. <laughs> so I, I got a text yeah. from my friend the other day that was just like, hey, uh, don't tell anyone, but. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. You know, like some sort of me too thing or something. I was like, I don't know what, you know what I mean? And don't he's, tell me. He's like, he's like, I still listen to Ted Nugent Pantera all the time. I was like, yeah, so do I. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um, but, uh, because I think of Australia as sort of the Detroit of like countries, like musically. <laughs> but I th- maybe that's just that they were very influenced by Detroit. But it's got that same vibe. Like the, f- I mean, obviously, like Radio Birdman and all that stuff. It's like a Stooges kind of worship band, or you know. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, well, especially you know, Australia. That you, it was you know settled by Europeans, and they, but it, especially back then, it was just so cut off that it kind of created its own own sort of thing you know it's like left to be this sort of wild stepchild yeah um but uh i just get the same feeling when i listen to australian music as i do when i listen to like detroit music or 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 even or even like ohio music or whatever like the dead boys or something like that and 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 then when i or if i hear acdc it's like all that stuff all the same to me you know like i mean uh, yeah they're both very working class yeah you know and um they weren't, yeah. They weren't sending over the uh, the land barons. Well, it's a different. <laughs> it's different than like New York or L.A. or London or something like right. that. You know, it's it feels very like troglodytean in a yes. very good, in the best way possible. You yes. know. Yeah, I would say that's true about all the best Australian music. Um. So, anyways, you're listening to Motorhead and you're playing drums. Yeah. And then, did you start trying to play fucking drums like Phil Campbell or like were you into that sort of like style? Like, did you get into that? Like, I just that's like the D beat, right? Like. The DB. I don't know. That's like what Discharge started, like that oh. drum style, you know? It kind of felt like it was like it morphed from that Motorhead stuff, like the Ace of Spades drum beat, you know? Oh, well, the, you mean like the hardcore beat? Yeah. Well, that's we Jeff call it Nelson, beat. you know? The... Yeah, yeah. You know, Who's Jeff Nelson? Drummer in my threat. Oh, okay, yeah, right, right. He kind of took it and like put pushed it like a few bits faster than, say, Rat Scabies would. Right. I mean, but I think that's where they got a lot of that from. See, we always equated that to Discharge. Well, like that beat or whatever maybe. that was like and then the, they got it from motorhead or whatever you know yeah but i think that the the accent is a little different is it on the ride symbol oh, i would think it's on the well no it's on the ride or the hi-hat yeah I think the, it's on the, the it's discharge on the, one it's on the ride oh always okay <laughs> I, so. I don't know i watched some video where they were talking about it yeah you know i well with jeff would definitely be on the hi-hat right um and rat i think he was just you know all over the place yeah, but uh, so you're playing drums and you're listening to Motorhead, and then you were like, "I got to get in a fucking band here." Yeah, yeah, you know, you just sort of, uh, you know, it's like a part of growing up, and you realize, like, you know, you, you keep playing, and I, you know, eventually in high school, I had a band. What was the band called? Let's see. Uh, it was actually two. Well, the first band <laughs> was called the Apocalyptic Cats. <laughs> it wasn't my idea. That's like a. It's like it sounds like a DreamWorks sh- uh, cartoon. It really should be, <laughs> and it featured uh, Daniel Papkin. Oh yeah, of uh, Candy Machine fame yeah. and uh, great guitar player. And, uh, what else? Fame. CB Brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, he played uh, guitar, and um, 
and uh, and and our friend. Eric That's when Ross, you met uh, him. Well, yeah, I met. Yeah, we met in high school. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Um. And uh, you know that was just like a little silly thing we did in the basement. And then Danny and I, with two other friends from high school, started a band called Milk World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were really good. Yeah, we were great. Yeah, we were great. We wrote. Are there any recordings of Milk There's World? There's a cassette. Yeah, yeah, sure. And um, and uh, it was it was really fun. You know, yeah, it was like totally goofy, and we did some covers and and wrote songs. Like we wrote songs about the school. Like there was like you know, uh, controversy around like the snack machine and people fighting over certain snacks. So we'd write songs about like that. I want to hear yeah. this. Ho-hos. Maybe we can, ho-hos. maybe we can fly some of that in here Yeah, the, at the end of the, the podcast or something like that, if we have time. Yeah. But, uh, and then, and then, but did, did you get pretty serious about it though pretty quickly or? Mm, n- well, I, no, I've never been serious about it. Right. I don't, I wouldn't call myself a serious musician, but, um, it's it's really been a, just a pursuit of like oh I want to do this this will be fun yeah like so yeah I had the high school band and then I you know but always kept playing and then it were all that throughout that time especially in high school like you're you're you, you really get immersed into like the scene and it's like you know you yeah wanna, oh I'm gonna go to the show and, and then you know the great thing you were driving that, into DC to see bands and stuff yeah or and who was who was playing right who was or whatever uh, but then, who was playing then uh well that was that would have been like especially like it really kicked in around the summer of '85. Like, what were the bands you were seeing where you were like, oh, fuck, now I can do this? Because seeing Minor Threat when you're 12 or, right, that, just, or Fugazi is, like, just mind-blowing, but it's not like, point, oh, I can go do this now, you know? Well, a band that was really special to us was Grey Matter. Yeah. Because they were, like, just a little bit older than us, but they were, like, they they kind of, like, sang about stuff we cared about, like, you know, nicotine and, <laughs> and Viverin and... What's you Viverin? Know, uh, you know, speed. Oh, like, Viverin. But, like, oh, yeah. counter speed. Right. You know, we call it vibrant, vibrant, yeah. I don't know. Like revive yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gray matter, yes. Yeah, I remember them they from like comps and stuff. I remember yeah. them from like hardcore comps and things like that. And were they on? Were they a Discord band or? Uh, yeah, they were, but they were. I think they may have. No, they were. They they, they were definitely in Discord. Yeah, so they may have done a couple of things peripherally, but yeah, for the most part, Discord. But yeah, so they they played all summer. Uh, it was Embrace, which was the the band between. Uh, Minor Threat and Fugazi for Ian, and uh, and then uh, and of course Dag Nasty. Right, Dag Nasty. Yeah, yeah. I just heard them recently, and not for the first time, but I just heard them again. Right, I hadn't listened to them in a really long time, and I was like, God, it's it's good. It's so, it's it's funny. They're a, yeah, a funny band. They're like it's they, but they're more of like a. It's like I don't know how to put it. Like you know, you hear that first record and, you know, now we all know that, you know, that Dave Smalley was not the original singer. Uh-huh. Sean Brown was the original singer and they had a much more raw punk sound. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I don't know all the sort of details, but they replaced his vocals with Dave Smalley. Right. And it became a much more polished yeah. sort of commercial thing. It I makes think. me think of like Bad Religion or something like that, you know, where it's not, it's not pop punk or whatever like or right. or whatever you want to call that or what but it's really tight it's, it's really tight well it's, executed yeah and the songs are good it's very catchy it's just something yeah and it's but it, you know i think brian really knew what he was doing he's like i want this is what i want and i'm gonna you know and it worked i mean but and then, brian baker yeah yeah from who was initially in minor threat correct yeah um but you know and I, dog pound was a <laughs> junk uh, junkyard. junkyard yeah junk, on, dog yeah. pound <laughs> No, you're thinking of Doggy Style. That's what I was thinking yeah. of, Doggy Style, yeah. Yeah. What's Doggy? Who's in Doggy Style again? 
Yeah, okay, I'll look it up. We'll look, we'll like, Wikipedia. Oh, I remember Doggy Style, yeah. yeah. O'Brien's in this band, Doggy Style. Okay, I'll buy that. Right, right. Well, okay. And then where did Lyle Pressler go to? Uh, he, he, I think Lyle played, I don't know if this was right after Minor Threat, but he was in the Meat Men. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Brian. Meat Men, yeah. Um, I don't, you know, Tesco sure V's Meat Men. Yeah. Well, this is a, that was a fun record. Yeah, you know, I love the Superbikes. Oh, oh, yeah, War of the Superbikes. Yeah. I have that on vinyl here somewhere. And, uh-huh. and then when we were in high school, we were obsessed with like We're the Meat Men and You Suck or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, well, they had like uh, that song Crippled Children Suck, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> funny stuff. Good, good yeah. luck. Good luck playing that one today. <laughs> Different times. Yeah. Um, so you saw the gray matter and you're like, fuck, we can do this. Like, let's get. Well, in a good way. You know, you just goes like, sure. You're, you're close. That's what I mean. To these people are like, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to play. You there know? was a band in the, in our town called small. That yeah. was like, that was, and I think there's a DC small too, maybe, but, um, they were so far beyond everybody like musically, mm-hmm. but we like knew who they were. Right. So we were like inspired, so, you yeah. know, by it. Yes. It, it was de- very, <clears throat> very inspirational. I think anyone who grew up, in that scene would, would agree. Um, you know, I've, I look back then and just feel so lucky. Yeah. I've just been able to see all that stuff and just be in there and, you know, get those records when they come out. You know, I always think like, Oh, I wish I could go back in time and be there when this fucking record came out. I bet. But you know, I got to do that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was, it, it was a wonderful time. So, uh, but yeah, so there was a lot of time just like, oh yeah, I gotta get in a band, gotta get a band, and just like, but then I was like, there's other factors like, oh, I should probably go to college, right? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> but the whole t- so I sort of like went off to school. I went off to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, just thinking like, well, I want to get out of the East Coast. I want to go on this adventure. Yeah, go out there because I was sort of fascinated with the West. You know, it's like head west. It was like typical like you yeah. know American thing like. Go west, young man, and and uh, it was kind of fun. Santa Fe seems like a hard place to be young. I maybe yeah, I but I guess if you're in college, you can kind of like build your own sort of world. Time. Yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of were you playing music out there? I tried. Yeah, because I, I don't know I, any bands I from New Mexico. With me out <laughs> the only there. bands I know from New Mexico is that band, the Shins. The, 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 well, that, yeah, that was after the. The case. Although I almost joined this band called Twenty Seven Devils Joking. Wow! And they were like, they had some records out, and they were looking for a drummer. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay. And like, but it was just like, mm, I think they were like a bit older than me, and I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. But where I'm going with this is like, I, I prior to that, I had become friends with Jay Robbins mm-hmm. um, because you know one of the big bands at that time of course was government issue for, right like and i saw them play and they lot. were like still going for a long time yeah, right they, they like, like they kind of lasted for a long time yeah, right they were, they were out of, as far of as original wave of punk bands and they just kept going and they yeah. were like kind of like the damned and that they would you know just keep keep it going oh let's get a new drummer let's and they kind of different they kind of changed well, it always, evolved uh, or whatever yeah, yeah. musically yeah. somewhat yeah, yeah i think it definitely it definitely evolved um, but you know, there's always Tom Lyle on guitar and John Stab uh, singing. Um, but then uh, Jay Robbins and Pete Moffat became the rhythm section, and they did that album "You," and it was just like just mind blowing. Like one of those records you hear the first time, just like wow, produced really well. The playing is incredible. The songwriting is great, and it's just like so much energy, a lot of kinetic energy, and it's just like okay, that. Is that's you know it's like when you hear like Eye Against Eye the first time it's right. just like 
it's one of those one of those records and um but then you know but they all like lived around here and so i eventually where was i it was a dc space and i was seeing scream of course that was another band i got to see all yeah, the time. Yeah. they were fucking amazing and they were yeah there's a gi and scream were like the two bands that kind of like kept it going obviously you know, they were able to find good drummers what and, about though like so like I guess, what about like Rites of Spring and some of those bands? Those, they didn't last very long, right? They just well, kind of... yeah, and I think some of those bands, you know, they were, they, like Rites of Spring was a band that like, you know, it's going to sound like a cliche, but, you know, it's from from my perspective, like they, they burned so hard. Yeah. That it just kind of like, and for whatever, I'm sure there were other reasons, personnel reasons, like, you know what, we're done. We did this one record and a seven inch and, you know, it just... I, I don't I don't know the personal sure band, sure so sure I don't well know them well enough to know what you know why so and so or why they didn't want to do another record right who knows but I'm sure they have their reasons um, but yeah I mean there, DC did kind of get a reputation for like having bands only last for one record yeah and I think I remember Ian MacKay saying something where he was like if someone quits like we don't like replace them we just start a new band you know like yeah. they have their own kind of rules or whatever you know yeah which you know you could make the argument that for I think a, a band like Fugazi or Rites of Spring um, there's a certain uniqueness there and a formula and, you know, and, a, and a chemistry with those people that you can replace whereas like you know, certain bands have a sound that's like, it's a, you know, I don't... Like Kiss, you can just put a different... Yeah, there's a formula. <laughs> different, figure <laughs> out a different like animal Nasty, character. Dag Nasty had two different drummers. Right. And, and, and well, and Black Flag had like eight million Right, and it's like, members. although, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, there's no, obviously there's no rule, but like some bands... You know. I just always thought of that as kind of a DC, like anything. I mean, like the whole, st- when you're not from there or you're not even from that kind of era or anything and you just, and you know, you read these things or you hear these things like, you know, it's like, oh, DC's straight edge and, you know, and then like they have these like rules and, you know, yeah, like that's how that I was all overblown. But, but by I the time you were kind of like doing this stuff with like Jay Robbins yeah. or whatever, like you guys weren't thinking about any of that kind of shit, you what, know, being straight edge. No, just like or any sort of rules? like, you know, yeah. No, I think at that point, you know, because you, you see other, well, here's the thing though. It's like when, 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 you know, with a band like Minor Threat or like, you know, they're all, they're young. Yeah. And they're thinking like, they're not doing it. For, there's not like a career. Right. You know, it's like, no, we, we love each other. We're, this is like, we're crazy. This is like our, this we're this is our burning focus. And right. like, like, no way. These are you know, my brothers, you know, my sisters. It's like, we did, there was no, you wouldn't conceive of like having, replacing someone. Sure. But, but then you see, you know, but then there's, you know, like you look at the damned. I mean, they've had how many members, you know? Right. So it's like, oh, well they can replace something. They kept going and it's like, you know, then it becomes more like, well, if you if you, you know, if you're good at it and you want to keep it going, well, yeah, you're gonna to have to play with other people. So, right. um, so then, how did you get involved with Jay Robbins to oh, so, start yeah, Jawbox? So, right, I was at a Scream show, and Jay was there too, and a mutual friend gave us a ride home back out to Maryland, and I remember being like, wow, I'm riding with Jay Robbins from GI like I you know I just I was like oh I'm gonna love that record so much and we just kind of became friends and was he much older than you no no I think he's like two or three years old okay um close enough um close enough that it wasn't weird like yeah it wasn't like yeah (laughs) (laughs) I just mean (laughs) I just mean like I've played with like 
like Michael Yonkers, like he's like a, oh, you know musician yeah. from the '60s, and I've like <laughs> backed him up, you know, and it's just like sort of like it's right, just no, like I a very different like. No, we could relate to yeah. each other at a certain level. <laughs> the like, different time we ate at different times of the day, I'd say yeah. that you know that kind of thing. So <laughs> so yeah, so Jay's in GI then, and I'm off at school in Santa Fe, and then but we kept in touch, and then towards the end of the the school year, I get a postcard from him. Uh, saying that, oh, or a letter saying, oh, GI is breaking up. You should come back. Let's start a band. I'm like, okay, done. Bye. Were you done with school or were you? No, oh, you I just quit. Yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> Fuck yeah, Doc. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> no, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. The, I mean, I never even made. I, was, I didn't I, even go in the I first place. I was majoring in downhill skiing, <laughs> among other things. That's awesome. Let's put it that way. That's great. I mean. I w- there, w- there was not wasn't actually a major for that, but right. that's what I chose to yeah. focus on for the most part. But I was playing though. I did. I was like, I got the school to sure. give me like a room, like to put my keep your chops up just play? in case. Well, I was just like, yeah. Yeah, I'll do this. Like, here you go. You can set up in the shack over there. I'm like, great. Um, so yeah, then we started uh, Jawbox with Kim Coletta mm-hmm. in like eighty. Was it eighty eight? It was guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then, you guys ended up being on Discord then. Yeah, I think, uh, and that was, you know, at that point, like, we had a fairly easy go of it in that regard, in that, you know, Jay coming from GI, had uh, he was sort of, he had, he was privy to this whole sort of infrastructure and, you know, GI fan base and network, because they toured. They were, you know, yeah. a lot of, you know, basically, Dag Nasty, Scream, and GI were like the band, the DC bands that hit the road. Right. Seriously. They were like, okay, this is what we do. Sure. And, um, and Kim, I believe at the time, worked at Discord. So it's like, hi. Right. We got a band. We kind of sound like a Discord band a little bit. I remember the first time that I actually heard Jawbox. So this was probably, I'm sure the version, the I'm sure the record that I heard was the major label record. Uh-huh. Um, but I remember hearing that in Eastern Washington and that's how, and you know, outside of like the hot topic stuff, like the misfits or dead Kennedys or circle jerks or black flag, you know, Jawbox was one of the very first kind of bands outside of, or like nation of Ulysses maybe too. But like for some reason, Olympia, Washington and DC have always had like a really strong yeah, there's like an connection tunnel that you can just sort of has like a conveyor belt that you can move back and forth. It had like a, you know your your apartment practice space to be ready for you in either city yeah i don't know how that started but it always was like a you know calvin johnson and k records and discord had this sort of relationship with each other yeah i you know i don't i mean jawbox played out there and we had a great show yeah we were meeting uh a lot of people that you know like oh i hate we met well and what happened for us though was some of our older friends ended up going to evergreen Mm -hmm. and then what they would do is they would send music back you know, to us that they were buying in Olympia. Right. And then because of this connection between Olympia and DC, we got a lot of DC stuff, you know? Right. Well, see, I think it's because they're both capital cities. Well, and it's also Washington. Yeah. Both yeah. Washington. Yeah. It's, so that's, it's weird. Yeah. It is a weird phenomenon. Yeah. But you guys were playing. So, and then you, you played with those guys. Up. Did you tour a bunch with them? Jawbox? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 We did, um, was that the first like sort of touring experience you had and what were you guys touring in van actually no my very first tour was i was a roadie for the band Kingface. i don't even know that Uh, band they weren't on discord but they were part of the yeah discord family right uh it was uh mark sullivan who um 
he he was in an old uh i think he was was he in teen idols yeah oh yeah um and uh i know i should know this i'm gonna get my scene cards are gonna get revoked for messing that up my favorite um, one was uh oh what's this what's the band that does this song it's about time that we had a change uh oh they were on that they were on like those uh it's Teen Idols. It's it's not Teen Idols though. It's Teen Idols. It's uh, on oh, Flex Your Head. The other yeah. one, the one. SOA. Yeah, the one with SOA. It's like the four the four bands. It's, is it Teen? Oh, Idols? Right, right, right. It might be Teen Idols. I can't remember. I think There's one song on there that I used to fucking love. Anyways, um, yeah. So Kingface, I, uh, the the uh, their bass player Andy um, went to the same school. He's a little older than me, but he he was we went to the same high school, and um, and I was you know. Like they were like again like Big Brother figures. And sure. They would they had a band. And I would go help them out and just like you know hang out at the shows and it was just so like they they booked a tour and I'm like all right let's go and um, I humped gear and sold T-shirts and it was really fun. But then yes, the first job box tour was like a like a two week something through like the Midwest and it was amazing. And you ended up leaving the band before you guys signed to. A major oh, well before that yeah, yeah. I mean, um yeah like well before that you left the band to join to be in cheddar to think or yeah no. yeah um more or less i mean it's you know this is a, a long story but um, <laughs> this is a total inside baseball episode of this show too because it's just like a couple dudes talking about rock music mm, so it's so interesting mm-hmm. uh people like this shit you know i hope so i like it good that's all that matters yeah um uh yeah so i yeah we jawbox did two records um a lot of touring and um and um we got to play with like naked ray gun yeah and we did it in chicago yeah that was really that was amazing and uh um peg boy the, the other naked ray gun man uh john haggerty left ray gun to start peg boy mm-hmm. uh we did this big tour with helmet oh wow what about Quicksand? Was that? We it? never played with Quicksand. Yeah, they were the other band that got besides like Jawbox that yeah. I just remember being like kind of yeah, foisted were, on us as they teenagers. Were, I, you they know? came out of that sort of post New York hardcore thing. Yeah, and um, definitely Helmet. You know, we just played yeah. with Unsane. Oh, well, wow. I think I told you that, but yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, we did like eight, like two months with Helmet. Jesus, and, uh, I know. And that what was, Helmet record was that? That the Strap It On. Okay, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, I mean, you know, Helmet's become a bit of a cliche, but they were just incredible to yeah, see. Yeah, I'm sure. Night. Yeah. Um, just like, it was, you know, just face melting. <laughs> and those guys, you know, especially John, the drummer, was just incredible. How many, um, like, what like what size shows were those, like, Helmet shows at that time? They, they were pretty good, because I think both bands had a, a little buzz, especially, you know, on the East Coast. Um, you know, a couple, couple hundred people. Yeah. I felt like it was it was a good tour. Yeah, it was like it was it was it was, but Helmet they they just blew up because that record was like, you know, perfectly timed, new metal record, and mm-hmm. it's just like of course you play it once. You're like anyone who likes that stuff is like, fuck yeah, all right. I'm that was like, a definitely yeah. like that was a definite that was an interesting time just for music because it was like, you had that that was sort of that Nirvana kind of ending of the hair metal thing but people still wanting like fucking heavy records or whatever yeah. but you couldn't you had to well, look you had to look like a regular guy though you couldn't right you couldn't look like a well yeah those helmet strip guys metal guy. short hair yeah totally clean cut shorts you know, like, like little indie rockers yeah you know, striped shirts uh-huh. it was funny 
but uh page hamilton page hamilton i remember they were the, i heard about helmet because of they were in like guitar magazines yeah and, well like, page was like a shredder yeah he was, was like, like a you know, guitar he, hero but even before that i think from being in the band of susans which was right. some kind of uh, they're just like a noise band too without like the 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 polyrhythmic stuff um anyway i don't want to talk about helmet too much <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, so then you left Jawbox, and then you started. Right. So, but yeah, my last tour with Jawbox was was with Shutter Think. Ah. Uh, coincidentally. Right. It's so weird how that happened. Yeah. And then next thing you know, I'm in Shutter Think. Uh, yeah. I, you know, Shutter was a band that, um, that, uh, you know, they were not, they were kind of our peers, but they'd been around. They started playing before us, and they they started playing in high school, and they were like they would, and then uh, tour on breaks and like. Um, but their and they, they their their shows were always so much fun. They had they were a pretty well established band, and just you know really fun songs and uh, and and weird and just yeah. you know they were a very like con- compared to a lot of those bands. Not to say someone's better or worse, they were just very, very like m- musically ambitious. It seemed like and and different though. Too. Yeah, and they, different. They, yeah, you know, even though they they. They use the same tools, you know. They have yeah. like, the Marshall half stack and the Gibson SG or whatever, mm-hmm. or the, the Fugazi SMG. model. Well, yeah, it's just so like, but, still, like from ACDC, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but they, you know, I mean, they they were a band that like wanted to be different, and I remember sort of feeling that, like, okay, well, I remember getting a, a recording of this of uh, the album. Uh, funeral of the movies before it came out and just like listening to it over and over again it was just like this beautiful dreamy pop record and it was just like but also kind of psychedelic too yeah like, thinking like god I would, i'd like to be in a band like this man and when uh, i first heard it i just hated it like it just was that's like true for a lot of people yeah and then now but now it's like i listen to it and i can totally not all of it because i think i'd have to be at the time to hear it but like I can at least like respect it and like understand it. And at the <laughs> well, time, it was all just all the records are pretty different too. Yeah, like, which is you know, I, you know, I mean, generally, what I appreciate about Shutter overall is like you know, there's no ambigu- ambiguity there. I mean, people either loved it or hated it. Right, that's, that's hard to do. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, um, and, and so then when so those guys asked you to join the band, they needed a new drummer or something. Yeah, like that? Mike, their drummer was, um, you know, I think he had a sort of his personal. Um, sort of date of like, okay, when I turn 30, I'm going to make a decision. I think he was slightly older than those guys. Mm-hmm. So he's like, all right, I have to make a choice. Like if we're not, you know, <laughs> only smart person involved, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, he, and, uh, yeah, 30. Imagine that now. Like, well, I'm 30, so I'm going to give up this rock thing. And, uh, it's such a good idea. It really is. Yeah. Mike, Mike was the smartest of all of us. Yeah. Um, what's he doing now? This guy. I, you know, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. I, he, he, he's doing quite well because he seems like on Instagram, he's always posting pictures of him in like Thailand. Or yeah. Something. See, there you go. I'm like, he's a, oh, he's a genius. That looks nice. And he's <laughs> had a lovely wife. And, exactly. Like, you know, I saw him about five years ago. He looked fantastic. Yeah. And like, you know, of course. Yeah. I remember one time we were, we, we drove through like a snowstorm <laughs> over this mountain, like to, to go play a show that like immediately first chord, like the entire bar emptied while we were started playing. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, re- and then remember the next day we had to drive back. It was Sacramento to Reno. We had to drive back from Reno to Sacramento the next day and the snow had all melted, but we had to go over the same mountain and we hit these like three massive 
puddles that made us like hydroplane. Oh my God. And I remember saying to some guy, like we were just having a conversation about friends and we were talking about this guy that, that used to play with in a band or whatever. I was like, whatever, remember that guy? And he's like, he's like, uh, you know, I don't know. He stopped playing music, but like, you know, he's, he's got, he's like got some fancy job and he's got like a really nice house and like a wife and like a nice car and stuff. And we were just, we were like hitting these puddles, hydroplaning and just going like, and then the joke was, we were just like, oh, what a fucking loser, you know? <laughs> we had almost died yeah. the night before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well. Mike Russell, but you, but so you were you were just like fuck this band's fucking amazing. Like I'd be stupid not to join them or like or yeah, just, give it a shot. I, you know, I, yeah, and I yeah, and I think um, there was a bit of tumult happening in Jawbox internally, and and I think um, musically, like I just was I sort of at the time I'm like yeah I don't think I want to do this sort of like ironically I was like well I don't want to do this like jagged angular sort of post punk thing. I'm like I just I think I want to be in a more experimental pop like more melodic thing not that Jawbox wasn't necessarily that but I mean there was a couple of factors that went into me you know what I think it's time for me to move on and neither of these bands were on major labels at the time right they both were on Discord right yeah and uh, fortunately like so I I lived in a was I still living there at the time Uh, I don't know but uh, the the, uh, Zach Baracus who who came in who replaced me in Jawbox was living in the same group house and he was like a dear friend and a great drummer, so I kind of knew that they would get him. And I was right. like, you know what, this is this will be best for all considered. And so, um, and so with Mike leaving, they knew. And I was like, and they were like, hey, Adam, you know, you want to maybe try and play with us? And I'm like, yeah. So I spent a summer in DC waiting for them to. They had to go do a Europe tour with Mike, and then uh. that, was, that was like his last thing. So. Uh, yeah, and then and then what point did did you guys decide to go from like because this is what's funny about that because I was reading something and it's like you were in in the in the two bands that went from Discord to a major label not yeah. at not at the same time no, or whatever yeah, no it's, like, uh, that, I have that that yeah that that distinction I guess um, when when did you guys decide that you were gonna do that like how far into the band were you at that point um, well when I joined Shutter I remember there was some. There was little chit chat of like, oh, you know, and I was, we were talking to someone else in the band. It was like, oh yeah, well, some some dude from Warner Brothers was talking. You know, and I'm like, oh wow, because I remember you know going back on tour, like be out with with uh, Jawbox and you know just having conversations in the band. You know, I remember hearing uh, uh, that Babes in Toyland signed to Warner Brothers. Right. And I remember, and I remember, I was just like, that just blew my mind. Right. I'm like, like, whoa. Yeah. I think I'd like to do that. Yeah. Like, I just think, you know, I just, I just want to do this. I it was like 10 years before it was like Husker Du and well, the replacements or whoever, yeah, but you then, know. But then that didn't, that didn't seem weird to me. That like, didn't seem they as were weird. Just bigger than life. And like, and of course, you know, I mean, they, they were, I mean, you like the replacements were on a major and like, yeah. Uh, although actually when, when we're into the replacements, they were still on twin tone. I'm just saying yeah. that, you know, this idea of people that, you know, are like starting to sign to major labels. Right. You know? Well, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Cause and so, yeah. And then like, you know, Sonic youth and it starts, it starts happening. I mean, I, but I think babes and Toyland was like the pre, I think they signed, they were one of the earliest yeah. signings, if I'm not mistaken of that sort of era. Like they signed before Nirvana. Right. Right. Um, and then, of course, yeah. All all the while, like Nirvana is percolating in the background, and we all knew Dave Grohl, right, and, from Scream, right, and um, and we had got, and, and Jawbox. We, we we got to know all those guys pretty well because Jawbox recorded our first 
like uh, seven inch with Barrett Jones, who did the first um, Foo Fighters record. Oh, okay. With Dave, at his uh, he does what's it, laundry laundry room studios. He's in, C- he's in, in Seattle. Seattle, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, so, and then I, I think Jay sat in on bass for Scream for a tour. So we all kind of got to know each other. I used to like would go like, you know, Scream. Obviously, seeing them play with Dave was pretty phenomenal. And, uh, you know, I'd go and, like, help Dave with his drums and, you know, watch him. And he, he helped me out a few times. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And um, so, uh, but, yeah, all that. Well, and then I think I remember, oh, Dave joined this band called Nirvana. I was like, oh. And I'd heard uh, Bleach at that point. I was just like, How did wow. they find Dave Grohl or whatever? They were, like, fans of, like, DC music, I guess, you know, in yeah, general. And then the, he was just, like, like a heavy hitting screen. drummer. Yeah, well, I think Dave's reputation was was pretty pretty well known at that point in the in the punk like in the punk rock world, and uh, Scream had I think Fonzie's joining the podcast. All right, hey, congratulations, Henry Winkler, on your Emmy. Oh God! Uh, At some point, he always comes in here. Okay, okay, don't don't hit the record button. Uh, So yeah, long story short, uh, Scream was I think uh, they were in L.A. They were stranded there. Oh. Because this uh, a member of the band, uh, it's kind of he he I think their gear got taken away. Let's put it that way, and uh, um, drugs. And then, yeah, who and, knows? And so I, um, the, I guess, uh, and I think the Melvins knew Dave, and 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 uh, <laughs> Dale was playing in Nirvana for a bit. Yeah, yeah. He hooked. I think it was through the Melvins, basically. Totally. Like, oh, you got to get this guy, this guy Dave Grohl. Right. Fly him up there, and the rest is history. Um, I think those are all in like HBO documentaries. Yeah, I think we, yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) so, um, but in terms of, of, of the major label thing, which is actually one of the most boring conversations, I think we don't have to have it. Well, I just remember like, you always bands would always talk about how they got signed. Yeah. I just, it's just funny to me because it's just like, as we, as we kind of move forward now, it's like, I almost think. I just watched a documentary on this band, Rye Coalition. Mm-hmm. And they were later, like, I was aware of them in the early 2000s. They got signed to DreamWorks, like, right as DreamWorks was, like, sort of folding, you know. Not that that would have fucking made a difference, I think. But anyways, you know. Uh, they were a cool band. They were, like, a high-energy band. But, you know, if you look at them, they're, like, like these, like, kind of, like, regular dudes from, like, Jersey City. You know, right. it wasn't, like... You know, these these labels can't sell you, like, it really, you know. the Like, Nirvana sort of hit that, like, yeah. perfect thing, well, you they, know. But they certainly, they tried to sell Shudder to Think. Yeah. Uh, mightily, but sure. it just didn't quite work. Well, yeah, but I mean, but that's what I'm saying. And I'm just thinking now, like, it's almost like uh, if you're if you're playing in a, in a similar band now to, like, kind of what we think of as like indie rock or 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 sort of our work ethic or our our sort of mental idea of what all of why all these bands are connected to each other Uh like these days you wouldn't even it'd be really hard pressed to think that signing to a major label would be a good idea you know what i mean well yeah it, it doesn't seem like what can they do for you i mean there's no yeah there's no distribution to be had i mean it's just i mean but it's almost taken to this point you know like it's still like in the early 90s it's still like there was still that there was still cds there was still this like this idea of hope you know or like 
<laughs> the Barack Obama of, of the music industry. Bill Clinton. You know, or yeah, well, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like now it's like you'd be insane to think that you were going to sign to a major label as a, as a four piece rock and roll band, guitar, bass and drums, and that you were going to get like, get, get that big push or you were going to get what you thought was coming to you. You know, yeah, I guess, I mean, yeah, I, I, cause maybe rock bands don't, they don't know how to still don't know how to sell them. And, and now it seems like the bands that the only bands that do well on major labels, like a, like a radio head or something like that have, have been like already established, Sure, you know, they've, they've established their fan base and then right. they can, then they can make the jump to it, you know, or something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm playing in a band right now that just, you know, released their own record. Yeah, so. exactly. And so am I. Uh, and, and that band that you're playing now, that those guys have been around for a while, though, too, like Film School. Yeah, Film School, I guess, has been around since, like, the early aughts. Yeah. And they have, like, pavement, like, connection. Like, they're, like, uh, Scott Cannonberg was into those guys. That, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Um, and I or think that's... Them. Yeah, that, that... Yeah, the San Francisco... Spiral North, stairs. Yeah, yeah, the Northern California connection, but... Um, My buddy Kelly Stoltz played with... Uh, with that guy too, Spiral with Scott. Yeah, they yeah. did. I think they was he. He's Kelly. Was he the one playing in the in the Echo and the Bunny? He's Man? playing Echo Bunny Man now. Not yeah. anymore. Not anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard he got kicked out. Oh, really? Well, apparently they booted him because he went to go to his father's funeral or something. At least, and it's like, and he had to take a leave, and they were like, "Sorry, mate, you're out." Oh, I guess that's cocaine's a hell of a drug. Well, but, he also was he also was the uh director for the uh like he played with uh Rodriguez for a long time. Oh yeah. After that documentary oh, came okay. out and and he got like kind of a similar thing where he got like fired from that but for like, you know, another just like insane musician reason, you know, right. like, you know. Well, yeah, I I shouldn't I mean I don't know all the details of that, but I haven't I, talked to him I, in a while. I should text him and see how he's doing. Yeah, in the band anymore. That, which yeah, is unfortunate. Yeah, that's too bad because that was his favorite band. And also, uh, when I first met Kelly, he gave me a CD where he had uh, recorded the uh, first Echo and the Bunnymen record, had done his own version of it, oh, and wow. and played every instrument. Huh. And it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So it seems like the right guy for your, yeah. your Echo and the Bunnymen <laughs> band. But no, no. Well, you know, it's a cruel, it's a cruel mistress, this, this music industry. If we've learned anything today, if we've learned anything today. I know. Yeah. For those of you listening at home, I'm fully gray haired and uh, it's, you know, it's taking its toll. I'm care. working my way up there too. Well, we didn't even get to the point where you, where you, your brief tenure was zigzags, but. That's, no, I was hoping we could talk about you, that. You want to talk about that? Yeah. 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 I don't what do you want to talk about? gives a shit. My only, my, my, my regret for that is like, I don't think there's any documentation of that. I really thought there'd be some fucking YouTube thing from when we played with Ty Siegel. Yeah. At the Echo. Yeah. I was, I, I'd like to think that that show was pretty fucking like killed it. I thought it was great. And I'll, I'll say this, I'll say this, uh, we were very lucky to know you and, and have someone like you that could step in and play a show like that. Because I don't really know that many people like, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know that many people like, I guess now I do, but at the time, you know, it was like, you know who the fuck are we gonna have right. have well, fill in on drums? You know that's that's some good serendipity. Yeah, I mean it was for me. It's funny and, it, and as it relates to and I can kind of compare this to film school as well in a way that, um, like, you know I'm not known as like a metal drummer 
not that zigzag straight up metal, but I mean like or even sure. a thrash drummer. Like sure. I've never played in a hardcore band, right? You know, so but it's like I like to do that though. I like to like I like to put on different hats and play that stuff, and it's like so it's really fun. Uh, but same like film school is the same way. Like they're like a full on like new wave band, right? And I've never done that before. So, but it's but I love that stuff. You know, what I mean, like you know, we collect records and you know, sure. I don't, we have all kind of. And so it's like. It's like, well, I, you know, I like all kinds of music, so like, <laughs> but it's uh, it's fun to be able to like do this other stuff and um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so the zigzag thing was fun. I, it, the, the best part though is things. I think I lost like five pounds working up to it or just at no, the show. No, during the like we did what three shows? Yeah, some, shows? yeah, yeah. Just like between the practices and the shows, I sweat so much <laughs> that uh, yeah, it was a good weight loss program. I know. Well, thank you for your service. And, you know, now we have Dane playing drums. And, and, yeah. and, and basically, we, we needed, uh, you know, the only, I think the only reason why you didn't continue to play with me at the time was also just besides, like, the whole other breakup shit that was going on with the band at the time. But then it's like, you know, you need that, um, you need, like, a robot on drums. Like, you need, like, uh, you know what I mean? Hey, Dane. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, it's because true. it's like what you said though. It's like, it's that fucking thing of like, when we come back from a show, it's like, I just wheel my amp in. Then he's got to like fucking, we got to carry all these drums in, but then it's like, he's got to set them up every time. You know, it's like it, being a drummer is not, is, is the hardest kind of job. It is. Everything hard. is relying I mean, on you too. Yeah. I mean, I, and I haven't had the luxury. I mean, the, the, the sort of the highest echelon of like tour luxury I've ever had was like, shudder to think had a roadie. Uh, Angry Dave and he was a great guy and really like he was just like into it he would set the shit up and break it down I was like oh my god this is so nice yeah especially after you've like you know played your ass off and, and you're just like oh my you god know, the last thing you want to do is like hump gear yeah but um, but yeah I was on the other side of that too I was like it, I was you know in my in my lost years Jed the uh, late 90s I was I was working as a roadie for the band Sunday Day Real Estate. Ah, uh, yes. And so I was humping uh, gear for those guys. For William I Goldsmith. Was, I was William's drum tech. Yeah. I remember when we, when we played that one show where we went up to that weird, like, uh, I don't know what the hell it was, like a biker kind of forest rally camp out thing. Uh-huh. And we when we drove back, you were telling me a bunch of stories from that time. And oh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Sunday Day Real Estate. And, but also my one of my favorite ones. So Shudder to Think toured with Smashing Pumpkins. Yes. And I remember you told me that like you guys started the tour playing in like Milwaukee or something like that or Madison. Madison. Yeah. yeah. It's so different. Well, there's a story around that too, but Oh, do you want to tell it? It's a drug story. Oh, we not Well, I don't know. That's fine. We yeah. were like we 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 were on our way driving to Madison to start our big rock tour with the Smashing Pumpkins. All right, you know, like, <laughs> this is like going to be and uh we're in our crappy little van. This is shudder to think. We're in a crappy van. We just picked up our our friend and and sound guy Nick from the airport, and um, and before we left, um, our good friend Dave Berman gave us uh, gave us some weed, you know, and um, and I think oh, it was Dave or someone else. We also had we had pot brownies, mm-hmm. and uh, and we get we we're like rock and roll. We'll get Nick from the airport, light a spark it up. We're like yeah, let's go. The next year we're driving. Woo! Like, oh shit, we're getting pulled over. Like fucking, oh, and our van was kind of like kind of, kind Janky. of hoopty, yeah. yeah. And we're like, oh shit. And then so they were sitting there, and the next thing you know, they bring out the dog, 
And you're like, come on, boy. Let's go. Right yeah. And like, oh, shit. And then like, all right. You step out of the van. The dog has control, uh, has smelled one of several controlled substances. Please step out of the van. You know, we're in several. They, yeah. <laughs> they broke us up. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Because they want to, they like, get yeah. someone to, to rat. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but they didn't. They didn't fucking break us. But, so, like, one of us. Like we, well, our friend Dave, who gave us a weed, he, he gave us some of the best advice I've ever had in my life. He's like, if you ever get pulled over, stick the weed up your ass. Because <laughs> yeah. if they're looking up there, then you're already in deep shit. Right. So That's a good idea. So as we're getting pulled over, like Nick and I were just like, because <laughs> we were like the stoners in the van. So yeah. Like, oh, it was in a bag. I mean, still. sure. And the, and, still. The little, and, the, and the little like one hitter thing. Did you roll the bag into like a, any <laughs> like shape? A dildo? No. <laughs> No, it wasn't quite that. Like, uh, and and so the and so that at one point I think Craig, the singer, and I and and uh, Nathan were sitting in the back of the squad car and we're all alone and we're just like, fuck. And then Craig goes, uh, "Hey guys, do you remember when we were in Toronto and that kid offered to give me a sheet of LSD if we played the song Rag?" Oh God. And I'm like. Yeah, I remember that. He's like, "That's in my book in the van." <laughs> and we're like, "Oh!" And then we kind of went into a panic. We're like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah. Then it's like something else. But they didn't find it. Yeah. They found the pot brownies. We're like, what's this? I'm like, brownies. And we're like, you know, they had to let us go. Right. Yeah. So. Well, I think what we could do. I'm. I'm. See, we're. This is ending up being really long, but I think that we could. You know what I'd love to do is uh is just to <laughs> compile like best like just rock stories podcast, you know? Yeah. Something like that where it's just like people telling or I could just go through all the old episodes and like that figure out like a way a, to cut out a, like a yeah, best like a of best show. of show. Yeah, that'd be good. You know? Mm-hmm. Where we could Well, so you you're playing with film school though that that's coming up soon. Uh Yeah, we're doing a little West Coast tour in November. Nice. In San Diego. And the record just came out. Just came out last did you play on the record? I did. Awesome. Did. Okay. Yeah. Do you have copies of it? Uh, I can send you a copy. Okay. Send it to me and then I'll and then I'll and I'll plug it or whatever. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh yeah, little West Coast tour, San Diego, LA, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. And then hopefully we'll see what goes See what happens. There. Yeah, they haven't major label. They haven't put out a record. <laughs> well, they were on beggars and I'm not sure how that worked out for them, but um yeah, I think the plan is um to just, you know, keep giving keep taking what's given sure um you know I'm, I, I me personally like i've been looking for a band situation that that i can you know maybe head out on the road for maybe two weeks i don't know yeah. we'll see if we I all are pull up, i can push i'm but trying to get back to europe man that's the whole thing it's just like at this point it's like go to europe and like know that you have a place to stay yeah. after the show and know that there's going to be food mm-hmm. and just like try to have the m- most fun you can have. Yeah. You well, know, I was, I was hopefully going to go to Europe with you guys, but then that fell through. I had permission too, even for my wife. She's like, yeah, go. <laughs> oh God. I'm sorry. I know, I'm sorry. My... I'm sorry to so many people, <laughs> mostly myself. Yeah. But, uh, we know the film school just got a piece of fan mail from like Hong Kong or something. So, Hey, there you go. Yeah. Let's see. China, here we come. Yes. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thank you.